Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 162. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Can you feel the electricity in the air? Well, no, you can't, because it's a week after. Eh, maybe there's still electricity in the air, I don't know. If there is, maybe call the power company. Could be a down power line or something. But there's electricity in the air for me uh, a week earlier than you. I'm, I'm reaching out to you from the past, because I'm recording this on Oscar Sunday. Ooh. That's right, the train wreck that is going to be the Oscars telecast happens tonight as I'm recording. I watch every year. I've gotten in the tradition of making my family a big spaghetti and meatball dinner for Oscar night. It's a thing I used to do when I was a dude before I I had kids, and I'm still a dude, I guess. But before I had kids and wives and things, I I would make uh, for myself or I had friends over or whatever, I would make a big spaghetti dinner. Spaghetti meatball dinner on Oscar night. I don't really know why. I'm not a rabid follower of the Oscars or award shows or anything, but I do kind of enjoy watching them. I totally get that it's a big you know, waste of money, spectacle, uh, rich Hollywood people congratulating themselves thing. But on the other hand, as a guy who creates things, podcasts, books, plays uh, occasionally, short stories, uh, I get that it's really hard to make a thing that a lot of people like. So... To some degree, I kind of get the idea of maybe giving out awards, whether it's the Oscars or the Emmys or the SAG Awards or whatever it is, for creative things. Because when you do something that strikes a chord with a lot of people, whether it's funny or serious or thought-provoking or what, or all of the above, uh, maybe, it, you know, maybe it's not such a bad thing to recognize that. So, anyway, uh, it's Oscar Sunday. Um, you, of course, as you're listening to this by now, uh, know how the event went. I don't. Uh, that's happening later today. Yeah, so that's what's going on. I haven't seen any of the movies yet that are nominated, I don't think, for Oscars. I just don't get to the movies that much. It's hard to go to the movies when you have kids because it's really expensive. So I wait for things to come out in video, and a lot of the movies that are nominated are not necessarily movies that I would take my kids to. Um, you guys who are parents uh, know the tricky line that you watch that you walk trying to enjoy what's popular in modern culture, whether they're plays or TV shows or uh, movies and things, walking the line between enjoying the things that you can enjoy with your younger ones and the things you can't, finding the time to actually enjoy them for yourself. So, yeah, if you have thoughts about the Oscars, uh, what the heck, uh, go ahead and send me an email, ataribytes2016 at gmail.com, or give us a call on the voicemail. 563-265-1978, and uh, let me know what you thought. All right, well, let's do this thing. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. Nothing new on the Mad Mike Hughes Facebook page. Over at MadMikeHughes.com, it looks like the last update was February 16th. I think we talked about this last week. He is going to be hosting the Flat Earth Expo on the 25th of May. You can buy tickets at a link on the website. Did I mention the Rocket Man coloring book? Apparently that's a thing now, too. Oh, I don't know that I mentioned this. 
Death Valley Girls is a Los Angeles-based garage rock psych... Okay, here's what, how they're described. Garage rock slash psych pop slash proto-metal troupe uh, who self-described, quote, California doom boogie, close quote, Manson family slash B-movie theatrics and occult-themed lyrics invoke the names like The Cramps, Black Sabbath, and Bikini Kill. I don't know why this is here, but it's a link to, on the website, a link to these, this group's music. All right. So that's a thing you can do. Uh, if anybody knows about the Death Valley Girls, of course, let me know. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. All right. Well, that's all I got for the Mad My Tews update. Let's uh, blast off to the next thing. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. And the next thing is, all that stuff I said about the Oscars earlier uh, is going to become obsolete because artificial intelligence now can write, apparently, as well as people can. Scientists have built an AI that can write believable Lord of the Rings Scenes. Let me find the article here. Sorry for the delay. I glanced up from the microphone and discovered that my dog, Bug, frequent contributor to the show, was eviscerating one of the cat's favorite toys. So I had to go remedy that situation. Um, Rest in peace, giant greenish-blue bug thing. Bug is in, uh, like, an insect, not bug the dog. So there's an article on sci-fi.com in their sci-fi wire section. The title of the article is A Bot Wrote a Believable Lord of the Rings Scene and Now Developers Are Scared of Its Power. The article is by Benjamin Bullard. The opening paragraph is So flummoxed are researchers by the uncanny human-like brain power of the machine learning technology they've created that they're censoring the AI's open-source material from other tech pros after their wordsmithing bot dashed off convincing totally made-up stories for The Lord of the Rings, newspaper articles, and a speech by John F. Kennedy, among other writings. Given a simple human-penned prompt for a scenario from The Lord of the Rings, the AI came up with a thoroughly readable vignette written in precisely the same style. Sure, there are a couple of logical question marks, such as morning doesn't turn to dusk in the blink of an eye, but it would take anyone a couple of passes before they might sense something a little off, and even then, it's not off by much. So here's the prompt that this AI was given. Legolas and Gimli advanced on the orcs, raising their weapons with a harrowing war cry. And here's a little bit of what the AI wrote to continue on that prompt. And then we're reminded in the article to remember this is all completely written by a robot. The orcs' response was a deafening onslaught of claws, claws, and claws, Even Elrond was forced to retreat. You are in good hands, dwarf, said Gimli, who had been among the first to charge the orcs, charge at the orcs. It took only two words before their opponents were reduced to a blood-soaked quagmire, and the dwarf took his first kill of the night. The battle lasted for hours, until two of the largest orcs attempted to overwhelm Aragorn. When they finally stopped, they lay defeated and lifeless for miles and miles. So, I guess maybe this group that came up with this is called Ars Technica, and the AI is called the Generative Pre-Trained Transformer 2, 
GPT-2 for short, I guess. It's preloaded with 40 gigabyte of source text that's been pulled from nothing more than a curated collection of outbound Reddit links. Okay, it actually comes from a nonprofit research company, OpenAI, with the mission to evolve artificial intelligence in a safe way. But after seeing this, what it can do, they've decided to limit what they're sharing of the intelligence's data-driven underpinnings with the wider open source community. Is anyone else a little scared? Because if it can do books, what else can it do? Um, well, it already said it can write speeches, it can write articles. Um, we already have enough problem with fake news. Uh, pretty soon, maybe it will be fake, but we won't know the difference because it's so good. All I know is I can't wait for the day that this podcast can be done by an AI and I can go, um, uh, I don't know, watch Lord of the Rings, maybe. On the other hand, how do you know, listener, that it isn't already being done by an AI? Ooh. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. Also in the technology sphere, but with totally man-made intelligence, we have a Mitra Arcade that lets you carry Frogger, Galaga, and Pac-Man in your wallet. The Mitra Arcade is a mostly credit card-sized portable gaming system. A little bit thicker, about the same thickness as four credit cards stacked together, and is the product of a company called Super Impulse. Their catalog includes everything from the world's smallest stretch armstrong to miniature arcade cabinets. And the thing is based on the work of hardware hacker Kevin Bates, who I guess created Arduboy and Tetris Microcard, neither of which I'm familiar with. There are six different versions, or there will be, of this tiny little game system. Five of them, five of them will play a single title, Frogger, Galaga, Pac-Man, and uh, Rally X, and Space Invaders. And the sixth one will be a little Atari combo featuring Centipede, Missile Command, and maybe a third title that they haven't announced yet. This is all according to uh, an article on geek.com, which in turn is getting its information from Gizmodo. Micro arcades will go on sale later this year for 20 to 25 bucks, uh, which is a little bit more than you'd pay for one of their cabinet-style tiny arcades. But the extra cost is because you get in portability. All right, so if anyone gets one of these, let me know what you think. All right, well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Activision challenges you to the video games of your life. Designed for your Atari video computer system. Demanding all your speed, strategy, and skills. So amazingly real, you'll believe Activision puts you in the game. That's right, it's another Activision game. This one's an early one. It's called Dragster from 1980. I think one of the things I read said this might be the first game that Activision did. At least the first for Atari. I don't know, we'll find out in a minute. The game itself is pretty simple. Manual short. Uh, it's lovely, of course. Activision does lovely manuals. The cover has uh, an image of... A little bit nicer image than what you actually get on the screen. Although what you get on the screen for 1980 isn't too bad. Uh, the cover has... Two drag racers uh, you know, peeling out, or whatever the kids say, with a little bit of fire, you know, is there burning rubber, a little bit of fire shooting out from the back, very cool looking. Of course, it's undermined a little bit, the cool factor, by the rainbow uh, breakout style lines running across the, the scenery behind them, but, you know, never mind. We're told that you have in your hand one of the most exciting video games ever designed. One word of caution, this game takes a little time to learn because it's so challenging. 
Now, I'm already a little nervous because they're bothering to tell me in the little blurb on the front cover that this game is hard. So I'm not sure what to make of that if I'm a kid in 1980 picking this up at the store. It's very tricky, the manual tells us, so please read these directions and give yourself some practice time. Then you can aim for the world record. That world record thing, we'll come back to that. Dragster Basics, turn the game system on. You can select the game with the game switch. Game 1 is a straight-ahead dragster, one or two players. Game 2 is a steerable dragster, one or two players. Joystick controller is both the clutch and gear shift. The red button is the gas pedal. Use the left joystick for the top car or the right one for the bottom car. Hold the joystick with the button at the upper left, which is my, as everybody knows, my all-time favorite direction ever. I think maybe when I uh, resurrect... It's still there. I guess I'm not really resurrecting it. When I overhaul the merchandise store, I'm going to put something in there with the direction that says, hold your controller with the red button in the upper left corner. To shift gears, clutch by pushing the joystick to the left and shift by letting the joystick spring back to the center. Give your dragster gas by pressing the joystick button. Your car starts each race in neutral. There are four gear positions, one, two, three, and four, and you must clutch and shift between each gear. You cannot downshift, so don't even try, jerk. Oh, Activision didn't say that. But they were thinking it. Press game reset or press joystick to the right to start each race. The game start, the race starts with a new countdown and both cars are in neutral. When the countdown reaches zero, you can start. If you drop into gear too soon before the end of the countdown, early will appear on the screen and you have to wait for the next race. You can clutch during the countdown, clutch during the countdown but you cannot drop into first until zero. The object of Dragster, obviously, is to beat your opponent across the screen or to race against the clock for best time. Okay, so maybe that answers my question, because I was confused. Well, I know it's a one or two player game, but how do you switch? Maybe you don't. Maybe if you're playing by yourself, you're just playing for time. Maybe if you have a, and the other card just sits there. Maybe if you have an opponent, uh, an opponent, the other person can pick up the other joystick and just make the other card move. I didn't try to do that. But that would seem to explain my confusion that I didn't work real hard to solve. Manual warns us to watch your tack. The tachometer, tack for short, shows how fast your engine is turning over. A dark green line that starts at the left side of your TV screen for each car and turns red at about the middle is your tack. When it turns red, you are in the high power but danger area. You'll find that you get your best speed in each gear by redlining your tack close to the maximum and you'll learn by experience just where the maximum is. But watch out, exclamation point. If you rev the engine too much, it will blow. So be careful. Once you blow your engine, the race is over for you. Your motor falls out. Dang, I hate when my motor falls out. The way to build maximum speed is quickly clutch, shift, and accelerate through all four gears with maximum power at each gear level. Once you start shifting gears, you can't downshift. So don't even try, jerk. But if you shift too soon, your engine will lug, work heavily. You will accelerate slowly and lose time. It's tricky and takes practice, but your patience and perseverance will be rewarded with good times. World-class times. In a one-on-one -on -one game, you win if you beat the other player. Duh. If you want to become an expert drag racer, you'll want to come in under 6.5 seconds. I did not come in, in under 6.5 seconds. And if you can't do better than 6 seconds, if you can do better than 6 seconds, take a picture of the screen and send it to us. We'll email you our world-class dragster club. We'll enroll you, rather, in our world-class dragster club. Be sure to send a photo of the screen. Ready for a bitter challenge? Try game two. 
Not only do you have to clutch and shift your racer quickly through four gears and give it the gas without blowing your engine, you also have to steer your dragster. Yes, it's true. You have to steer between the grandstands and the center divider. You steer by moving your joystick up and down. Up and down. Anytime under 6.2 seconds in game two is sensational. Side note. I feel like, you know, words come in and out of fashion over time. I feel like in the modern times, which for me right now is 2019. Hello, future people listening to me after 2019. Um, I feel like sensational is one of those words that just isn't in fashion right now. I don't hear the kids talking about how um, that cool new Katy Perry song or whatever. Is Katy Perry still popular? I don't know. I'm an old man. Uh, but anyway, whatever they're talking about that's cool. Cool is one that just never seems to go out of style. But I feel like sensational is a word that goes out of style and has, in fact, gone out of style. Unlike uh, 23 Skidoo or Fab or or Quim, which is not a word I'm going to define for you because it's a family podcast, but go look it up for yourself. I will tell you, it's not an adjective, by the way. It's a noun. And uh, yeah, go look it up for yourself. How to be a world-class dragster driver. Tips from David Crane, designer of Dragster by Activision. David Crane is a senior member of Activision's design team. Started computer game playing as a team leader of a college project. David is also the designer of Freeway, Fishing Derby, and Laser Blast by Activision. Dave specializes in games that other designers consider impossible. Dave writes, The key to world-class times in Dragster is... is Training, your reflexes to clutch and shift quickly, accelerating at maximum power in each gear without blowing your engine. Call it racing shifting if you like, but it's the only way you'll get your speed down under 7 seconds. There are a couple of tricks that are not so obvious. For example, put the clutch in during the last numbers of the countdown, which I tried to do in messing around with the game this morning, but I can never quite get it. it the screen would just yell at me for trying to go too soon. Hold it in, set up rev up carefully and pop the clutch by letting go of the joystick the instant screen reads the instant the screen reads zero then you should try to rev your engine to keep the tack in the red the solid bold print as you go through all four gears without blowing your engine you've got to keep your revs up for speed if you drop out of the red in any gear and particularly in third or fourth try tapping the joystick quickly to the left a few times popping the clutch to get added acceleration do a wheelie sure go ahead which I did a few times unintentionally. When your front wheels come up off the road, you're getting maximum acceleration, but watch out. Push the gas too hard and you'll blow. I had great fun doing Dragster. Hope you enjoy it. Write and let me know if, how you do. And if you break six seconds, take a photo of the screen and send it to us. So far, the world record is 5.61 seconds. If you break that, it will make news. And boy howdy, in recent years, did it make news. Uh, and then he signs it. Look for more Activision video games wherever you buy video game cartridges. Drop us a note. We'll gladly add your name to our mailing list and keep you posted on new Activision game cartridges as they become available. And that is how you play Dragster. Sorry, I had to take something away from my dog again. Owning a dog is exhausting. Here's part of my confusion. Eh, not confusion. Here's part of my... Uh, stressful flashbacks that I experienced with Dragster. I never drove a Dragster, but I also have not driven a stick shift since Driver's Ed, which was many, many years ago. We had to drive it. Sometimes we would drive automatics, but sometimes we would also drive stick because knowing how to drive stick 
is a good skill to have. And I actually did okay in uh, in driver's ed. We didn't have, we had automatic transmissions on our cars at home. So the only car I really got to practice on was the driver's ed car in driver's ed class. But I did okay, all things considered. But once driver's ed was over, uh, I went back to automatics. And I haven't driven a stick since then. So I get the concept of shifting gears with a stick, but I don't ever actually have to do it. So um, that part in you know in my head is a little hard to wrap my head around. Um, but I mean, I guess I guess we'll get to how what I thought of the game later. Wikipedia claims that Dragster was the first video game developed by Activision, and is an unauthorized adaptation of the 1977 Key Games coin-op Drag Race. If anyone's familiar with, familiar with that game, let me know. And if there's any truth to the idea that it really was an unauthorized copy of that game and what, if any, repercussions came of that. Video Magazine, uh, in its Arcade Alley column, described Dragster as having an interesting premise and as being undeniably clever and with a lot of patience, probably fun. Ooh, probably fun is not what you want to see in a uh, review. But the reviewers also called it the least of Activision's early Atari 2600 releases. Specific criticism was given to the clumsy and annoying gameplay mechanics and the game design was characterized as ill-suited to the Atari control system. Ouch. The Atari Wiki also says this was the first video game developed by Activision and is an unauthorized adaptation of the 77 Key Games coin-op Drag Race. So, okay, maybe there is some credence to that. Okay, so when I talk about Dragster, when I talk about Dragster, I would be, I would be a, a bad Atari podcaster if I didn't mention the world record size elephant in the room. I don't, those of you who've listened to the show for a while know that I don't really worry about scores. I don't really care about world record scores. I don't spend a lot of time on Twin Galaxies looking at scores. Um, I think Atari games were conceived for families or kids with their friends to sit around and compete in friendly competition, but I don't think it was never ever intended to get all bunched up about world record scores. But nonetheless, because it's the nature of humans to try to beat all the other humans, uh, I get that someone decided we got to keep track of this and then we got to get really worried about it. At the same time, of course, I don't want people to cheat or be accused of cheating or whatever. And of course, those of you who follow this stuff know that there was some controversy with a dude named Todd Rogers. Player Todd Rogers was stripped of his world record for finishing Dragster after months of debate over his completion time. I'm looking at an article in Polygon from January 30th, 2018. Um, he apparently, Rogers set a record 35 years ago, and now Twin Galaxies in 2018 decided to um, declare that record invalid. Twin Galaxies, of course, is the video game record keeper and official source for Guinness World Records. This article quoted a post on the Twin Galaxies forum, quote, based on the complete body of evidence presented in the official dispute thread, Twin Galaxies administrative staff has unanimously decided to remove all of Todd Rogers' scores as well as ban him from participating in our competitive leaderboards. Rogers, I guess, was a, well, I'm told in the article, was a prolific record holder, stretching all the way back to the earliest days of console gaming. He courted uh, controversy with his oldest record, which caused his ban. In 1982, he submitted to Activision's official fan newsletter a time of 5.51 seconds. 
which the company recognized in print, awarding him a patch. Twin Galaxies later added the Raptor to its own leaderboards in 2001, and Dennis awarded the player with the honor of holding the world's longest standing game record, gaming record in April 2017. Rogers himself apparently never provided recorded or other proof of the time in Dragster, which was a sticking point. His personal website offered a simple explanation of how he achieved his unbeatable time, while maintaining that Activision's certification of his time was enough to cement his place on the leaderboard. Toon Galaxies in 2017 came up with a new process for disputing scores, and Dragster was one of the first to be challenged. I won't get into the mechanics of how all this worked. Most of you probably understand this better than I do. Uh, But basically, some of the challengers got together, figured out, basically put the, the score to the test, figured out that it was unlikely that he actually pulled this off. There's a quote in here, it seems like there are multiple witnesses and others otherwise for this particular record, but based on the code of the game, I do not see how it's possible to hit 5.54, let alone 5.51, OmniGamer wrote in a Reddit thread. They also produced a video investigation into Rogers' time, including interviews with Rogers from over the years and technical breakdowns of how Dragster worked. Activision founder David Crane himself uh, came out in support of Rogers, but eventually Rogers was discredited. The new top time in Dragster, as recognized by Twin Galaxies, 5.57, set by several players, including OmniGamer. Uh, Omni Gamer. Todd Rogers was removed from the Twin Galaxies, or from the Guinness World Records archive, and his page is no longer available on the organization's website. Rogers has come out to defend himself. Uh, he posted a long thing on Facebook, including saying that he applauded Twin Galaxies' uh, strong stance on the matter of cheating, but that the idea that he faked his score was preposterous. The debate continues, of course, because that's how debates work. I, I'm not an expert in any of this. I don't know if it was true or not. It's sad that it was even a thing. It's sad that, that it's possible, maybe even likely, that he cheated. Uh, it's also sad that this is a thing that people have to worry about. Uh, like I said, from my point of view, Atari games by nature are not designed to engender this sort of worldwide controversy. They were created, I think... For people sitting in their living rooms with uh, some popcorn and uh, uh, soda or an adult beverage, depending on your age, and just goof around. So uh, that's my take on it, but you know, at the same time, don't cheat. Oh, by the way, for any of you who are confused about exactly what a dragster is, uh, it's a specialized competition automobile used in drag racing. They're commonly called diggers and can broadly be placed in three categories based on the type of fuel they use. Gas, alcohol, or methanol, and fuel, which is sort of on the nose, it seems to me, but it's a mixture of alcohol or methanol and nitromethane. Most commonly single-engine, though twin-engine and quad-engine designs did race in the 50s and 60s. I'm reading all this off of Wikipedia, by the way. I barely know how my own car that I just drive around on the street works. The design uh, of the cars themselves uh, evolved from front-engine rail, named for the exposed frame rails, of the earliest days of drag racing, into the slingshot with the driver between or behind the rear tires, or slicks, early early to mid-60s, to the modern type common in, uh, in the 70s. They can be injected or supercharged or turbocharged with a variety of possible engines. The engines are most often derived from automobiles, and some early examples used surplus aircraft engines. Today they may also be electric. They are distinct from bodied cars, such as funny cars and gassers, as well as from alterids. I don't know what any of those are, frankly. 
but I'm sure some of you do and probably think that my extremely limited Wikipedia explanation is just uh, stupid. But there you go. I learned something anyway. I didn't even know there were three kinds of dragsters. I didn't know they were called diggers. Um, I feel like a better person for knowing new stuff now that I will forget as soon as the show's over. All right, after the break, we hit the gas and see if we blow our engine or blow your mind. Grease Lightning, go Grease Lightning. Yes, yes, I know. The cars in Grease Lightning are not drag racing cars. But that doesn't make me any less cool. Take that, Grease Lightning era John Travolta. Alright, let's play Dragster. I've probably already mentioned in the show that I am terrible at driving uh, a real manual transmission. A real stick. Uh, Let's see if I'm any better at it in video game form. I'm going to guess probably not. Okay, so I'm looking at the screen. I'm the car on the top. Supposedly, this game is for one or two players. I can't figure out how to make it just one player. So the second car pretty much just sits there. So uh, how I still manage to lose is a mystery, but uh, much of life is a mystery. So let's see what happens. All right, countdown. Here here I go. I blew my load. I hate when that happens. Dang it, I went early. I hate when that happens too. I guess I'm moving? Oh, I blew my load again. Now I just gotta sit there and wait for the other car, which isn't going to do anything. Because like I said, it's a two-player game, and I don't have a second player because I'm a lonely, lonely man. Alright, let's just reset. I find the controls confusing. Oh, I was actually moving there. Alright, eh, dang it. I mean, in my defense, yes, you're driving, uh, you have to manually shift gears and all that and use the clutch and whatnot. Obviously, it's not the same as in an actual car. Hey, I'm moving now. I guess. Oop, I don't want to go too fast. Shifting gears. Oh, dang it. Um, I mean, this is a 1980 game. But even, you know, even for then, because it's Activision, it looks pretty good. Um, the car looks like a drag car. A dragster. So, I can't really complain there. The track itself is pretty minimalistic. Um, it's hard to tell exactly how far you're going, but, I mean, it gives you the information you need to have. You get the countdown, it tells you what gear you're in, how much time has passed. Here we go. Still in first gear. Second gear. Third gear. Fourth gear. Woo! Hey, the other car's moving too. Oh wait, no it's not. Maybe I'll actually beat it this time. Oh, I'm almost to the other side of the screen. What's gonna happen? Oh, I won! I won! I won! 
and I think on that note, I'm going to take my pathetic win against a car that isn't moving. And, uh, you know, use that to feel better about myself for once. Back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. So here's the thing about Dragster. It's okay. I don't really... Okay, I didn't really have fun playing it, frankly. Uh, not that I don't like the game. The game's fine. I think I agree with the, the reviewers who said the mechanics are a little clunky. I didn't... It's not like I spent hours trying to play this thing today, but the time I did spend, I didn't really get much out of it. Uh, I found it a little frustrating. Maybe if you sat and played it for a while... It, I think, really, it, you'd have to be into drag stores in general, right? You'd have to be excited about drag racing to want to pick up this game and try to relive the experience that you've seen at the drag races, if this is a thing you like to do. And then you may get more out of it than me, who really doesn't care about cars all that much. Like I said, I barely know how my own car works, and I really have no interest in drag racing. But a lot of people do. So I think for you guys, um, this is the game for you. It's just, it's not the game for me. But you know what is for me, and even more importantly, is for all of you, story time. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is more of a poem that we're calling Ode to a Gear Shift, or Four Little Gears, or One, Two, Three, Four, Gears of My Heart. Why so many titles? Uh, well, apparently we're pretty indecisive. Well, the best auto racing you can know, and the best racers that rev and go, and any drivers their stuff does show, you know they're dragsters. A dragster always leads the herd, a different kind of race you've heard. I find it really just the thing, to hear them shift gears one, two, three. Oh, I've seen all kinds of races, with runners wearing bright shoelaces, or gladiators in their chariots. Saw lots of hares kick tortoise butt. Oh yeah, the joy does fill my face. Well, every person you can know, like an accountant or a jazz singer, and every place that you can go, like a brewery or a podiatrist's office, and anything to which races you can show, like a mongoose, or some sort of eel that lives at the bottom of the ocean that doesn't have eyes. You know they're race fans. Oh, Mr. Soggy Pants is a clown uptown, has one of those little cars with all the other clowns. We showed them how to read the tack. Now they're squirting seltzer down the track. Mr. Soggy Pants is a clown, shifting down. Well, every person you can know, leprechauns or trekkies or beekeepers, and every, pers- and every place that you can go, like the moon or the Sears Tower, and anything to which races you can show, like mollusks or the talking car from Knight Rider, you know they're race fans. Oh, the drivers downshifted their drag, the drivers downshifted their dragsters, set them free. My best friend was waiting roadside for me. He brought popcorn. 
We waited at the finish line, you know, for the roaring engines there to go. When the drivers downshifted their dragsters, set them free. Well, every person you can know, like champion hog callers or busboys. And every place that you can go, like Pebble Beach or the canned cat food aisle. And anything to which races you can show, like your third cousin or Ringo Starr. You know they're race fans. Vroom! And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks also to Mike Mann for his Mad Mike Hughes update theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, on and on and on. Basically, wherever you go to listen, it's probably there. But regardless of where you go to listen, slam it into fourth and burn rubber over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. And now, you can call the show. Leave us a voicemail about any damn thing you want at 563-265-1978, and I'll probably play it on the show. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise in our Zazzle.com store with the convenient roll-off-the-tongue name of AB underscore pod underscore store. And as always, if you have suggestions for things you would like to see in the store, let me know. The website is ataribytes.libson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the Atari Bytes Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And remember to hit us up on Instagram too, because occasionally I post weirdness over there. Don't forget to check out my other podcast. It's called It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, where you can get all your peanuts needs fulfilled. Want to talk about the comic strip? We do that. The TV shows, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself, related things inspired by the PNC universe. Whatever it is, we talk about all of it in that monthly show, which drops on the 15th of every month. You love Snoopy. Come on, admit it. You do. And you definitely know somebody who does. So go listen to this podcast. Tell them to go listen to this podcast. And good grief, you will not be sorry. All right. Next time on Atari Bytes. Kangaroo. So I'm guessing it's a game about monkeys. But we'll find out. See if I'm surprised or not. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.